Right, um, for those who don't know me, my name's Richard Lewis. Um, <laughs> I see some new faces around here, so I thought I'd better just introduce myself. So, um, I assist Andy where I can. <laughs> And I'm from the south. I was from London originally, so my London accent, you know, just have to live with, live with. I'm afraid. Anyway, my talk today <clears throat> is: Will you intercede? Will you intercede? And a lot of my material I got from Derek Prince. I think you all know Derek Prince. Most of you know Derek Prince, and um, I do like his material when he's on. He's always really anointed man of God. And uh, I always enjoy his messages. So anyway, my talk is, will you intercede? And um, obviously, will you intercede talks on the subject of intercession. And obviously, intercession in itself is a big subject. Um, but, I, you know, which I'm not, you know, not going to go through today. It's too big a subject to do one day, in one session. Um, but what I would just like to do is just give you some guidelines, just to give you, hopefully, to get you on that journey of becoming an intercessor, um, to encourage you to become an intercessor. Because I believe in this day and age, I think it's very important that we all grow and mature into having a real deep yeah, prayer life. And to be an intercessor is something which I think we all need to learn and to grow into. Amen. So... If you look at the Bible, you will find in the Bible some real great intercessors. And I'm going to def- define what you know, intercessors uh, are all about, what, what it means to be an intercessor. I'm going to go through all that in, in, uh, very shortly. But if you want to summarize, you know, in, in the book you see lots of great intercessors, men and women of God who were great intercessors. And if you really wanted to just to do a study of who those men and women of God are who really interceded with the Lord... And through their prayers, change the course of history. Because one of the things about intercession is all about praying to change the course of history. As it says, God, it's his story. You know, something I was always raised up with is history is God's story. And in the Bible, you see many great intercessors. And, and I would encourage you to really to look at the intercessions from Abraham. If you look at how Abraham interceded how Moses, Moses interceded, how Daniel interceded, and how Esther interceded. If you look at those four men, men and women of God, how they really prostrated themselves before the Lord in intercession, I think that give you a real good example of what it really means to be an intercessor and to be encouraged that we can do the same because that's then we can do the same today because as Christians we are all being born to be intimate with the Lord, to be close with the Lord to be a friend of God. That's what we're called to be. So, you know, like I said, really reflect on those four men and women of God, and I'm sure you, you can learn a great insights into how they inter- interceded. Now, I believe if there's any a time to grow in intercession, now is the time. Amen. Now is the time to really grow into intercession. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, the times we live in now are so serious that we really do need to know how to pray with the Lord and how to really seek his heart. And especially for us in the UK, for those who are not from the UK, but for those who are obviously, you know, here in the UK, if you remember the prophecy that Brother Sadhu gave regarding the UK, 
that he was saying that this nation has one final chance to turn, to turn towards God. He's, be, you know, he's believing that God is giving us one final chance. And as you know, that as a church, we've been praying, ever since we got that message, we've been praying you know, for the UK, to interceding for the UK. Um, you know, the, the message that Brother Sadu gave us from Israel. And, as, and also, one of the things we do in London on a monthly basis, like Andy said, we do pray and intercede. Um, for the UK, about the destiny and purpose of the UK. So, like I said, the seriousness of the times, we must learn to grow in intercession. Not only did we get the message from Baba Sadhu about the um, the UK, but I think we always learn from society today that we're living in in an antichrist system. You know, know, the laws now just take abandon the laws of God. You know, the seasons we live in are just trying to take away what God's righteous laws are. Um, you know, the things about, you know, they're not, you know, things like homosexuality, abortion. All those things now are pushing to try to, you know, dismantle God's laws and to put in the things of men. You know, the common, the common thing is now, what is evil is, con- is considered good and what is good is considered evil. That's the society we live in today. It's, it's, it's not good, is it? So how do we turn a nation back to God? How do we turn this nation back to God? Well, intercession is, is, is the answer. How, also, intercession, how do we steer a church to make sure that it stays on course, that it does what the Lord wants it to, wants it to do, that the, the church only does what the Father is saying? How does it stay on course so that it, it is led and only led by the Holy Spirit? How do we steer our loved ones to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to walk away and to turn away from evil and, and for the evil not to influence them? How do we ensure that happens? Well, the answer, my friends, is really to grow in intercession. Amen. This is the key in how we change the course of history nationally and also locally. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm not as young as some of you might think. <laughs> I'm gonna, so how did I get involved? Because, you know, to be honest with you, I've been blessed that when I was a young Christian, when I became a Christian, one of the things I learned at a quite young age when I was student life was, you know, the, the importance of intercession. Thankfully, I was, had many women around me who had a real keenness to be intercessors, and that influenced me, even when I was a student trying to chase the ladies. No, not quite. <laughs> Oh, you joking. But you know what it's like as a student, you know, you know, you, 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 know, you know what it's like. No, tell oh, Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know, you, you, you know, you, anyway, let's move on <laughs> quickly. But like I said, at a young age, I, you know, when I became a Christian, I learned about the importance of prayer and intercession. And I was with a small group, you know, in a, you know they had a room in Oxford, I was at Oxford Polytechnic. I don't know what it's called now, is it called... Anyway, I was at Oxford Polytechnic, and uh, yeah, Brooks University, I think it's called now, yeah. And I was uh, doing, a, doing a, deg- a degree in engineering, and, um, and there's a group of Christians who used to come on a, on a Tuesday evening to pray and, and intercede. And, uh, you know, obviously I've only just become a young Christian, and I was quite keen to pray, just to be among Christians, really. And I always remember how they just started to pray for the local area, you know, for things that were up happening in, in the city of Oxford. And I thought, wow. 
through our prayers and intercession, God, we can change things. We can actually have an influence. And that really, really impressed upon me that through our prayers, God can change things. And um, so there's some local things in Oxford that they used to pray for. And I, and I used to see the prayers coming, and I used to see the revelation that God would give them, and they would pray to that revelation, and then it, it changed. And I thought, wow. So through the vision they got in the prayer, in the prayer room, they prayed about it, and then on the ground, on the ground, you see those things to change. And I thought, wow, this, this prayer thing, it's not just religious duty, there's actually some real purpose behind it. So that really encouraged me, you know, even as a student, to do the, you know, to say, okay, Lord, there's a real power in prayer and in intercession. And I also remember, you know, one of the things which I was, when I was around was the, if you, remember, you guys remember, in the 80s, we had the, the race riots, didn't we? I don't know if you guys remember. In Bristol, we had the race riots. In London and in Liverpool. And again, we was praying for those things. Lord, we pray about these race riots. And I was in there, you know, in, in praying. And I always remember that one of the things that it, this, the, the Lord revealed to this small group was the reasons why these race riots were coming up was because of the slave trade. And that the, in those, those, if you know, some cities were ports, seaports, where the slaves were came, came in. So that's the revelation that the Lord gave this group. It's, it's the reason why there's so much unrest. It's because these things have not been dealt with within the church and within the nation. So obviously, you know, we started to pray for those things, that the influence of the slave trade, that the unrest, the spirits that provoked, you know, that came as a result of that not being dealt with, we started to intercede and to pray into and obviously, you know, we, we saw some testimonies, you know, small testimonies where people who were in the race riots, how their spirit turned, how things could have got really worse, it, 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 came, it came calm. You know, it, things started to change. Yes, there, of course there were race riots, but it wasn't as worse as what it could have been. And we felt a lot of that was because God heard our prayers. So then, to that again encouragement about, okay, this, there was power in this intercession. And then I remember as a student, somebody gave me this book called Reese House the Intercessor. Somebody gave Rich, read this book. And, um, I, and, I, and I read it. There's two, this is the flesh and the spirit, isn't it? Conflict, you see. And I read it and I thought, yes, Lord, this is what I want. One half of me, one half of me would say, this is what I want. The other half of me was, you know, the fleshy bit of me, oh, this is, this is too much of a commitment. You know, this is too much of a sacrifice. But I wanted it in my spirit, I said, yes, this is what I want. But the other, you know, like I said, I was a student at the time. You know, you, you have a fleshy bit, say, oh, this is tough. This is tough. But obviously now I've grown in the Lord and I've got, you know, lost a bit of hair and I've got a bit of a beard now. But now with all of my heart, mind and soul, I can say, yes, Lord, this is what I want. To be a full-time intercessor for you. To really to stand in the gap and to pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So my heart's there now. So, so, like I said, that's how I became encouraged about intercession, that it really has a purpose and it really can change things. So, just to give you, you know, a quick definition of what it means to be an intercessor, to stand in the gap. So, an intercessor... It's like I said, it's one, if you look at the example of Abraham, and we just read, we will read some scriptures, but an intercessor is one who stands in the gap between man and God. The true definition of an intercessor 
both in Latin, Hebrew, and in Greek, it is to come in between. So the definition is of an intercessor, of an intercessor is one to come in between. And we obviously know what that means in the context of an intercessor for God. One who stands in, in between man and God. One who's trying to push back what God wants to do in judgment and to say, no, Lord, may your mercy extend over your judgment and over your wrath. So it's one who stands in the gap to really to intercede for God's mercy to extend over judgment. And um, I think we see a good example of that um, in the, with the story of Abraham. I know, I'm sure you all know the story of Abraham, how God um, spoke to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah. And then, you know, God negotiated with him to say, look, Abraham, you know, prayed to God about if there was 15 righteous people, he would save the, he would save the, the city. And Abraham was able to negotiate down to 10. If there's only 10 righteous people, God would save that nation, that city. And let me just, let me just read the story. Let me just read it, I think. Let me just go. And I've left my Bible. Let me just, uh, I thought I brought it up. Can I just get a Bible? Why are you having a cake? I don't know. No, I get it. Uh, no, thanks. No, no, no. Thanks. Thank you. So all my notes, all my, this is the thing about iPad techno- technology, you, you just forget to use the manual stuff sometimes, don't you? Right, so Genesis 18, verses 23 to 33. Genesis 18, 23 to 33. Okay. 23 to 33. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will, you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of, five, because of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if, if I can find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? <clears throat> he said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? 
He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. So there you see a dialogue going on between Abraham and the Lord and the Lord God of how Abraham stood in the gap for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and how he tried to plead for that city and that God was said if I could only find 10 righteous more than 10 righteous 10 righteous people I would save that city and out of that piece of scripture that you can deduce many themes and principles and the themes and principles that came out that's applied to us all because we can also apply those same things and principles that you saw in that story, in that scripture about how Abraham interceded with the Lord. So I just want to point out, what are, what are some of the themes and principles that came out of that scripture? The first one is Abraham put his body, Abraham put his body on the line. That he prostrated himself to stand between man and God, to, for God to, restart, no, to not to judge that nation, that city. He put his body on the line. He prostrated himself. God listened to the prayer of one righteous man over saving a nation. So God listened to Abraham, a righteous man over saving that nation. So he's prepared to listen to him about saving that, about saving that nation, that city. God was willing to hear his prayer. Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham, as we all know, knew the Lord, had an intimate relationship with the Lord, and he was known as a friend of God. He showed boldness in talking to God in holy reverential fear. So when Abraham spoke to God, he spoke to him. He was bold in speaking to God, but he did it in a manner of reverential fear and honour. So you are God, I am dust and ashes. You can smite me like now but I come in reverential fear and honour of your name. So there you see, recognising who he, his position, but he recognised that he was dealing with a merciful God and a, a beautiful God. To see how that dialogue, you are the Lord, but I just come because I'm your creation. <coughs> he had a great conviction of God's justice, both positive and negative. So he knew the character of God, both in a positive way and a negative way. A in a negative way that God's wrath, you know, God is a God of justice and that he will seek justice on this earth. He is a God of justice and he is a holy God. Right. And but he also knows about God's other character, that he is a merciful God. That God is a merciful God and he likes to extend his mercy and grace to a people who come to him. He understood the character and nature of God. And that's another key thing we as intercessors need to know, the character and nature of God, to know that he is God of justice and that wickedness will be, he will judge wickedness, but he is also a merciful God and one who likes to extend his mercy and his grace. Those are the two, those are the characters of God that we must, as Christians, need to understand. He's not an all-loving God. He just brushes aside all sin, all wickedness. He's not that kind of God. He is a God of justice and that there is a time of reckoning for all of us, if we don't come to that place of repentance and to know our God as a merciful God and a God of grace. So just like I said, just like those characters you saw in Abraham, we also as Christians can carry all those characteristics. You know, like I said, he, Abraham, 
put his body on the line. And sometimes through prayer and fasting, we do some, you know, sometimes we're in intercession, we do sometimes need to put our body on the line. Through, sometimes through prayer and fasting. We know however God leads. But the thing is, we need to be that living sacrifice that puts our bodies on the line because the price is high sometimes. But the reward is even much even greater. So that we can be... Um, he talked about um, God listened to Abraham. So we as Christians, God listens to us. He listens to our prayers because we are sons and daughters of the living God. We are... Have, we are, we are when he died for us and we accepted him as our Lord and Saviour, we became sons and daughters of the living God. We have, he values us. He really treasures us and he really values us. And he values our prayers. He values our prayers. Our prayers are not insignificant. He values our prayers just like he values us. So when we take the time to seek the Lord and to pray with him, to seek, him, seek his face and to pray, to go into that quiet closet to pray to the Father, he delights to hear our prayers because we are value to him and our prayers are value to him. So don't never think that your prayers are of no value to God. They are of value to God. Okay? It's, you are valuable to him and your prayers also. Abraham was, like I said, Abraham was bold in speaking to God. And we can be bold in speaking to God in that, in that place of reverential fear and honour. We can be bold to speak to him because, like I said, like a son and a daughter... Would you not turn the door? You know, if you've got parents, they speak boldly sometimes, don't they? Not that I know, but you know, they speak boldly. So you know what it's like, but you still love them. You still love them, don't you? And yet, for us as Christians, Hebrews 4, verse 6, we can enter boldly, boldly into that throne, into that inner throne, in that inner court. And God has invited us to go into that inner court because through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in Hebrews 4, verse 6, we boldly enter that inner court through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also we know, just like Abraham knew that God is the God of justice, we as Christians also know that God is the God of justice and he's a holy God. So we know that. And like I said, you know, but we also know that he's a merciful God and he likes to extend his mercy. He's a God of long-suffering. All these things we need to be, no, we need to be reminded of, of who our God is. If you think about it, if it wasn't for God being patient with us, being long-suffering, would we, we would he be here today? We wouldn't be. That he is that nature, that he was patient enough for the likes of you and I to, to come into his fold, to come into his kingdom. And that's his nature. But he's also a holy God and one who, need, who needs to be honoured and revered because he is the Almighty. Amen. Amen. Now... So those are the characteristics of the things that's we can, like I said, the story of Abraham, those characteristics that we saw in Abraham, we can take on those same characteristics as Christians. And that is what God is inviting us to do. Another great man of intercession was Daniel. And I'm not planning to go through the story of Daniel. And he's already done a very good um, done a review of that, the, the books of Daniel. But what I do want to point out we all know that the life of Daniel, how he interceded with the Lord, how he interceded, how he went through that burning furnace, how he had to go into the lion's den. He had an intimate and close relationship with his God. And, um, and he also known as an intercessor, wasn't he? How he interceded that after 70 years that you know, God will restore Israel back into Jerusalem after 70 years of being outside the, that city. 
And if you look at the characteristics of, of um, Daniel, you will see the same characteristics that you saw in, in Abraham. And also the ones that God is looking for us, in us as well. His willingness to put his body on the line. There you see it again, his willingness to put his body on the line. How God listened to him as a righteous man, God listened to his prayers. And just like God listened to Daniel, God can listen to our prayers as well. He was a friend of God. He communed with God boldly. He held a great conviction of God's justice in both in judgment but also in mercy. So again, for intercession, you know, for one who's an intercessor, can see the same characteristics, you know, which you see through Abraham, which you can see through Daniel, in which God is looking to develop it in us as well. And also, as you can see um, in um, Daniel, in terms of his relationship with the Lord, you, you can see, just reading the book of Daniel, that he had an intimate relationship with the Lord, that he prayed three times a day. Do we pray three times a day? It's a question. I, you know, I have to, I'm challenged by the example of Daniel here. Do we have an intimate relationship with the Lord where we're praying three, three times a day? And if you think of Daniel, look at his position. He was a prime minister of his day. And yet he had time to pray three times a day. I hope that Theresa May would come three times a day to, to depend on the Lord. Hey, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Hey, but that's what I just to pray that she get to that place. But, but, you know, as a prime minister, he was in that, had that relationship. But in, even in our workplace, in, in our daily affairs, do we pray three times a day? That's the prime minister. How much more is us that we should be able to pray? For? And I was challenged by this. So it's a discipline on my part that I need to have that, build up that relationship where I'm praying, at least praying, free, you know, trying to make it three times a day. Because it's not necessarily a religious thing, it's a building up that relationship with the Lord, that he communes with us when we commune with him. It's building up that relationship. And Daniel had that, that intimate relationship with the Lord. Even when, they, if you remember, they tried to put this law that anyone who worships a God other than the God of, of Daniel's time that they would have to go to the lion's den. And, and he said, I'm not compromising. I am not compromising my position and my relationship with the Lord. And, just, and he bowed towards Jerusalem, continued three times a day, regardless of the laws that they tried to introduce. And he stood firm with his God at the price of his body. And, but thankfully, we know the story that God rescued him from the lion's den and to show that God, our God, is the true and living God. Amen. So, and one thing also about Daniel, if, if you look at his prayer, you know, he's, when he, in, the, uh, book, in chapter 9, on when, how he interceded for the city of, you know, for Israel and, for, and towards Jerusalem. One thing you will see that he identified himself with the sins of the land. He didn't say they have sinned, he said we have sinned. And that's a key for intercession. That's a key for when we pray. It's not a matter of they have sinned, it's that we have sinned. We have come short. We haven't done what God wanted us to do. And then one of the things about intercession, not only do you put your body on the line, but you're putting your thoughts in your minds and to identify with the situation at hand that we have sinned, Lord. You know, when we pray for the UK, it's an identification that we have sinned, Lord. We as a nation have sinned, not they have sinned or somebody else has done it. And that's a true identification which we need to you know, bear in mind to be born on when we pray and intercede. Are there, so that's just a quick, just one other thing about um, Daniel. 
is that when he interceded, he focused towards Jerusalem. If you remember in the, in the scripture, scripture in, in the book of Daniel, he focused, to, looked towards Jerusalem. And that indicates that when we pray, we need to be focused. Just like Daniel was focusing on towards Jerusalem, that we need to be focusing on what's at hand, what the Lord has shown us. That like those eagle eyes, we, fo- we are focused on what the Lord wants us to pray for. And that we're not wandering left and right all over the place. That we are focused in our prayer, where, what, we are, what we are targeting, what we are focused on. And that's again something which we know, as you be- develop in prayer and in intercession, we need to be, develop the need to focus our prayers into, you know, truly into what God's specific purposes, purposes. Now, I now want to read the book of Esther, another great example of one who interceded, who stood in the gap, as we all know, is the story of Esther, Queen Esther, of how she went to the king um, to intercede for the people of Israel, for the, for the people of Israel, because you, as you know the story, that um, evil Haman, he wanted to plot that um, he gave an edict to that the people of um, the people of Israel uh, should be um, destroyed because uh, Mordecai did not bow down to him at the time. So he tried to create an edict that says, "Let's ask the king to make a day, a day where they can destroy the people of Israel." And as you know the story, that Esther. She went towards the king to start to plead and pray and petition that this law that Haman tried to create would be you know, brought down, it would not take place. So we know that, you know, you know the background of that story. So I want to read um, the book of Esther, chapter 4. Um, Esther, chapter 4, the whole book of chapter 4, and also a little bit of chapter 5. So it's because this, again, gives the story of what, Mordi- what Esther did when she went into the court to plead with the king. So if we go to the book of Esther, chapter 4. Oops, if somebody found it, they can read it out if they want to. Uh, the whole book of Esther. The whole book. Of oh, chapter four. Chapter four, sorry. Okay, it's very hard. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out. Sorry. When Mordecai. Okay, let me. I don't know. It's because of the recording, it needs to be. Okay, let me read it, sorry. I don't mind. I've done it now. Okay. Before Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hathak, 
one of the king's eunuchs whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the city square that was in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, and that he might command her to go into the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hathak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these thirty days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. Right. Okay, thank you much for that, Heidi. And I just want to continue, just on chapter 5, just 1 to 3, then it continues. On the third day... Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw the queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given you. I believe if there's any piece of scripture that is speaking today where we need to be, it's the story of Esther in that chapter 4 and verses 5, 1 to 3. That we need to be coming to that royal court, the inner court, and ask for the mercy and extended grace of our Father God. And um, out of that piece of scripture. I just want to again bring up the similar themes that we've seen with the other, um, with the previous intercessors that I've just described. But the key thing, one of the key things is she was born for such a time as this. She was born for such a time as this where she had to come into the king's court to ask him to extend his scepter of mercy. She was born for such a time as this. And we as a people have been born for such a time as this, to live in, the last, in these last days. Because it says here, on the third day, Esther put on her royal clothes. On, put on her royal clothes. You know, when we say the third day, that 
in, you know, a, a day, as it says, a day, one day is a thousand years. And I know for those people who've listened to Dr. Bruce Allen, when he talks about the third day, he is saying we are living now in the third day. So when you see this, when you see the piece of scripture, when they say about the third day, it reflects that we are, it, it reflects, it's the last days they are talking about. So here in scripture, when it says the third day, just like Esther prostrated herself before the royal throne to seek the mercy and grace of our God, we also were born for such a time as this to seek God's mercy and for him to extend his scepter of mercy and grace and to hear our prayers, and to hear our prayers. Because it says in chapter, chapter 5, verse 3, so Esther, then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther, what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given you. So he is wanted to hear our prayers as we come into that royal throne. We are royalty. In, our, in God's eyes, we are royalty. Through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have become royalty. And living that righteous life, as we have that intimate relationship with the Lord, as we live that righteous life, we are, he sees us as royalty. You don't, you know, if God, you sometimes have these x-ray eyes and how God saw each one of us. You'd be amazed how he sees us versus how we see ourselves sometimes. He has an image of us that far exceeds how we see ourselves. And this is the image. You know, when you think of um, Queen Esther, when you think of her background, she was a commoner of her day, and she came, she was selected to come into that royal throne. God changed her, put, you know, ornaments on her body, her hair was done, necklace on her neck. She was adorned with the beauty of the Lord. And just like Esther was adorned with the beauty of the Lord, we are being transformed we are being transformed, become a reflection of the Lord Jesus, become his fragrance. We are being transformed so that the Lord sees us through his, through, when he sees us, he looks at something that is all beautiful. Not how we see us. We are not a commoner in God's eyes. We are royalty. We are, can't become a royal priesthood. Does it not say we have become that royal priesthood? And that's why we are sought, called to be sought and light in this world. Because God wants to hear our prayers and to listen to our prayers because we are royalty to him. We have become that sort and light unto God. So we need to throw away the image that our prayers do not count. Our prayers of no value to him. They are value to him because it is a prayers of royalty to royalty. So that's how we need to see ourselves. So when you go into that quiet room and pray to the Lord, pray for the things that on his heart, that thinks you want to see change. He is waiting to hear your prayers because you are royalty to him. You are of value to him and your prayers are of value to him. Amen. So just like Esther on the third day, we represent those Esther on the first of the last days. And again, look at the characteristics of what Esther did to come into the inner room, to be heard by the Lord. She prostrated herself. She fasted for three days and for three nights. And also her servants fasted for three days and three nights. So she prepared herself, didn't she? She prepared herself to come into the king's throne. And just like Esther prepared ourselves, we sometimes need to prepare ourselves. We need to get rid of, you know, some things we need to get off of ourselves and put on those royal clothes, that royal 
clothes that God has given us. Where there's unrepentance, we need to get rid of that. Where there's judgmental, judgmental um, spirits, criticism, we need to throw those off. Those are not the righteous clothes God has given us. We need to put the robes of love. The robes of love. That's what is light. We are, we are called to be light, aren't we? And those robes are robes of light. That when he sees us, it's light he sees. He wants to, he wants to see light, not darkness. That's why we call sort and they become sort and light. So that our prayers are heard in heaven. Amen, isn't it? So like I said, she fast, she's willing to fast and to pray. And all she, like I said, she humbled herself. She, she became prostrate before the king. She humbled herself when she came to the inner court. And through those steps, the king was willing to hear her prayers and to request what she was asking for. And then you know the rest of the story, don't you? How she got asked to get rid of Haman and her ten sons. And that talks about getting rid of the, the demonic activities over our land, doesn't it? And, you know, that's another story. But it, it goes into that. You can go deeper there. You start to ask for things from the Lord to destroy the things that are that are grieving him and what are grieving us as well. So those are the steps, as you can see, through those good examples of those men and women who are intercessors in the, in the, in the Bible. So I have spoken about the positive, how through intercession we can change history to God's story. Through our prayers, our prayers of influence to God. So what happens? So there's the positive about if we stand in the gap, if we're willing to stand in the gap, God does answer our prayers. But what happens? The negative, if there's no intercession. What if God sees no intercession? Nobody's willing to pray. Is there anything in, the, in Scripture what, what it says about that? So there are. So let me just read out something in here. It says in... Um, in, again, if you look at in the book of Israel, in the book of Isaiah, it talks about um, Israel that had backslidden at the time. And um, in the book of Isaiah, chapter, 50, chapter 59, verses 12 to 16, it talks about a nation that has backslidden. And I'm just going to read this out to you. And this sound, might sound familiar about a particular nation. You might, you might want to reflect on this. For our offences are many in your sight. This is about Israel that are backslidden during the time of Isaiah. For our offences are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offences are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquity, iniquities. Rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. That's the state of Israel, the state of Israel when it had backslidden from its God. Does that sound familiar? And then it goes on to say, The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene or otherwise to intercede. So the two things that broke God's heart was the injustices, the evil he saw in the nation. 
but also what he said was appalling. The word appalling, that there was no one to intercede. Just imagine God grieving over the state of bachelors in Israel at the time. And then he's even more appalled that there's no one to intercede. That's something we need to reflect on, isn't it? Was it because of hardness of heart? Was it because people were preoccupied with their own affairs, with their own ministries, that they weren't willing to look up? They're just willing to just look on the ground and say, I'm okay, Jack. Or was it because, you know, we weren't, they weren't looking at, Lord, what's on your heart? What's grieving you? Were we preoccupied with our own affairs? Something we need to reflect on, isn't it? Another scripture that reflects, you know, um, the backslidden state of the nation of Israel at the time can be found in Ezekiel 22 verses 23 to 24. Ezekiel 22 verse 23 to 24. Again, it talks about the backslidden state of the nation of Israel at the time, during Ezekiel's time. But it also talks about a solution as well. So let me just read it out to you. Ezekiel 22, verses 23 to 24. Again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, say to the land, you are a land that has not been cleansed or rained on in the days of wrath. So let me read that to you again. This is what Ezekiel was saying about the land of Israel at the time. Again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, say to the land, you are a land that has not been cleansed or rained on in the day of war. So what do you think the solution? So there you see a land that is barren and dry. What do you think the solution is to a land that is barren and dry, that has not been rained upon? Water. Correct. So what's the answer? What's the solution? Is the need for rain. And we all know that when we talk about rain, we are talking about the Holy Spirit, aren't we? So, what, so the solution is need, they, need, they need rain. They need the rain of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I will continue. And just, like, and just like they were in a critical need for rain to come down, the rain of the Holy Spirit, aren't we also needing that Holy Spirit? We are needing that same Holy Spirit, the rain. So let's go on. In Hosea, it says in chapter 10, verses 12, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. So the answer to barren land is to seek righteousness, is for us to seek the Lord, for him to reign righteousness on the land. So when we say to, for him to reign righteousness, to bring down the Holy Spirit, because that's the only rain that's going to really survive, bring to life that place again. So that's, I think, you know, that's, again, I believe that's a call for us, to rain down his Holy Spirit. We need the rain of his Holy Spirit on this land so that righteousness can be raised up again. And then it goes on to say, regarding lack of prayer and intercession. I look in Ezekiel 22, verse 30 to 31, it goes on to say, I look for someone among you who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land 
so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. So when you had this backslidden land in, in, at the time, God is looking for intercessors because it says in the word, I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. May that not be said of us, people, eh? May that not be said of us. Because we have a responsibility. We know the condition of this nation. We know it. We have a responsibility to be used by the Lord, isn't it? To be used by him. Because we do want to see the reign of the Holy Spirit folded down on this land once again. You know, when Andy was saying about Kavan, about about the four to five hundred people who are here on Tuesday. I looked at them. They are a generation of, you know, they've got their own, they're in their own world, aren't they? Yeah. They're on their own world. And, you know, I don't know who was, uh, uh, I, sm- I was smelling something, some weed or something behind me. I don't know what it was. I thought, that's some strong stuff. And, um, but they, they're on their own world, aren't they? Yeah. And I thought to myself, they've come into this church four to five hundred what we need for them is the Holy Spirit to rain down, don't we? Yeah. That they would hear the gospel. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that they really are going to understand the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. For them to have a revelation of the true God. Religion, I don't blame them for that. I don't blame them at all. We don't, they don't need religion. They don't need religion, do they? We don't want to give them religion. We want to give them the true gospel. Yeah. We want to give them Jesus. And I look at them and I thought, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that's going to save this generation is to, for you to rain down your Holy Spirit. We are a barren land and the word in here in Hosea says that which is a barren land cry out for the rain of his Holy Spirit to pour down. Yeah. So, that's all I want to say today. I, I pray and hope that you're being coward to want to be used by the Lord in the area of prayer and intercession. As Andy says, next week we start in the north. (laughs) We start in the north. And I pray that you make it a priority. Really that you make it a priority. That you block in your diaries that, you know, it's the second Saturday of each month. That you block in your diaries to say, okay, I need to come to this. Because... We have a responsibility, don't we? And we need our young kids saved. We need that generation of kids who came to Karan's funeral saved and to be delivered. And it's not only the Holy Spirit that's going to deliver them from the drugs and the stuff that they're carrying in. It's only the Holy Spirit that's going to deliver them. We need the Holy Spirit. So, I'd like us to do two things. First of all, for those who are in Cal, I just want to do a prayer over us. For those who, you know, and I'm going to pray it out twice. I'm not going to, and you can, you can respond by your heart with a yes or no in your heart. For those who want, so I'm going to do two things. For those who really want to be, be used by the Lord more in prayer and intercession, I'm going to pray a prayer over us. And then secondly, and then secondly, I just want us to start to pray that the reign of the Holy Spirit 
will fall again on Amen. this land. Okay? So, I want to pray a prayer. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to do it twice. Okay? So those who really want to be used by the Lord more in prayer and intercession, I'm going to pray this, this following prayer. And again, this is all, a lot of my notes all come from the book from Derek Prince, How to Intercede. So if you want to get more detail, please go to, go to that book. It's really, you know, I'm a Royal Derek Prince fan. So anyway, for those who want to be used more in prayer and intercession, I'm going to pray this, this prayer. Dear Lord, I have seen the examples in your word of those who would have yielded their lives to you in, in, in intercession. I want to be counted among their number. I come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I offer myself to you. I make myself available to pray for situations you want me to pray for and I will intercede for them at your direction. I am fully yours, Lord. Give myself, I give myself to you. Amen. Now, I'm going to pray that prayer again for you to reflect what I've just said. And if you again want to say amen, please say, you know, it's up to you. It needs to be a heartfelt response. And, it, and it's a responsibility as well. You know, we can't just sing, say words and not follow it, follow it through. So we really got to be committed to be used by the Lord. But it's an inviting it is an inviting invitation because you are part of God's army. You are part of what God wants to do to change things around. It's his story. Right. It's his story. And he wants to use all of us to change things for his goodness, for what he wants to do on this earth. And like I said, we have all been born for such a time as this. And just like Esther was born for her time where she went into the inner courts the king's inner courts to be to petition the king. We have an opportunity to go into the inner courts of our king, King Jesus, and to intercede and petition for the things that are on the Father's heart. So let me just pray this out. Let me pray this out again. Dear Lord, I have seen the, the examples in your word of those who have yielded their lives to you in intercession. I want to be counted among their number. I come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I offer myself to you. I make myself available to pray for situations you want me to pray for and I will intercede for them at your direction. I am, your, I am fully yours, Lord. I give myself to you. Amen, amen, amen. And i just like us just quickly just to pray for the start, for the reign of the Holy Spirit to start to pour upon this nation. As it says in Hosea 12, verse 2, I believe. I'm sure it's Hosea 12, verse 2. That God's reign, the reign of his Holy Spirit will pour down on a barren land. Isaiah okay. 44 says, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. Amen. Amen. So, just quickly. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your invitation for us to become friends of God, become your friend, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the invitation that we can stand in the gap 
that we can stand in the gap and to petition you and pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Heavenly Father, we pray for your reign, the reign of your Holy Spirit, to pour again down on the, upon this nation, the UK. We are in desperate need, Heavenly Father, of your reign, the reign of your Holy Spirit to fall down upon us as a nation. We are in desperate need, Father God. We are in desperate need for your Holy Spirit to pour down. And we pray you will pour down your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord. That you will pour down your Holy Spirit upon us, on upon us as a nation that is dry and barren. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. We desperately, desperately need your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Holy Father, that you will pour down your Holy Spirit upon us as a nation. You will pour down your Holy Spirit upon us within your body, within your church, that the reign of your Holy Spirit will come upon us, will come upon each one of us, that where there is boundless, there be life. Where there is boundless, there become life. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come upon us as a land. We invite you, Holy Spirit. We invite you to come down upon us as a people, as a people that you can live through, Lord Holy Spirit. We invite you to do your will, to do the Father's will, to save the captives, to set the captives free, to drive out darkness, Lord, and bring in your light. Use us, I pray, upon using you. you use us, I pray, as we become fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Use us, I pray, Lord. And may we be willing volunteers to be used by you, Holy Spirit. But Holy Spirit, pour yourself upon this land, upon us as a barren nation. Pour yourself upon us, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name.